Well, good morning, my friends. Uh, we just returned from a trip to Arizona, had a great time. And while we were there, went to a church that we loved, uh, uh, were invited by some friends who live in Arizona and just had a great experience. And it came across some material from a group called the Axe Tracks, which is, uh, you can write this down, www. all caps, A-C-T-S, Axe Tracks, T-R-A-C-T-S dot com. So I came across a, a few of these tracks. I, I think I told you when we finished, um, which would have been last week, that we were going to go into the book of John. But I'm going to do for a few weeks, and it might be quite a few, the ABCs of our Christian experience. The ABCs of our Christian experience. Let me give you two verses that we'll use for um, memory verses. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians, right after the book of Romans, 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 18. And it says this, For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. It is the power of God. And then turn to Romans, which is back one book. Romans chapter 1. Verses 16 and 17, Paul says this, <coughs> excuse me, in Romans chapter 1, 16 and 17, he says, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Where are we going to get our answers as we look at the um, ABCs? We're going to look from Scripture. So, First of all, take your notepads, grab your Bibles, and we're going to talk about Advent. Advent uh, means the arrival of a notable person, thing, or event, as it's a noun. Advent of a notable person, thing, or event, and we're going to talk about the Advent or the coming of Christ. And the coming of Christ is not found just in the New Testament in the book of Matthew. I want us to... To, to go back to the book of Genesis, the book of Genesis, and verse, or chapter 3 and verse 15, man has been placed in a garden, a beautiful garden. He's been given uh, responsibility to take care of the garden and to be fruitful and multiply. Um, there's two trees in the garden, and one is good and one is bad, and man chooses to take from the bad, creating what's called the fall. And immediately after that fall, we get the first prophecy looking forward, talking about a Savior who would one day come to repair the fall. Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15, it says this, God speaking, I will put enmity, enmity, which is opposition, violent opposition between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring, which is a look forward to the birth of Jesus Christ. He shall bruise your head and you shall uh, bruise his heel. He was bruised. Satan bruised Jesus' heel at the crucifixion, but Jesus bruised his head. And uh, as I looked into this and studied this, we actually see in that term, her offspring, not his offspring, but her offspring, a picture of the virgin birth. And so we see Jesus um, 
advent or his coming prophesied all the way back thousands of years in the book of Genesis. Uh, in, a, in a great book by uh, Dr. David R. Reagan called God's Plan for the Ages, a blueprint of Bible prophecy, he says that the Old Testament can, <coughs> excuse me, contains more than 300 prophecies concerning the first coming or the advent of Christ. Some are repetitious, but when the repetition is accounted for, we're still left with at least 108 separate and distinct prophecies. In addition to those texts, there are more symbolic prophecies as well, such as in the book of Ruth, Boaz is uh, a kinsman redeemer who takes a Gentile bride, just as Jesus came as a redeemer to his people, the Jews, was rejected by them and is now taking a Gentile bride, the church. Now, the rejection of Christ by the Jews set aside the Jews for a season, um, which is called the church age, but he has not completely set aside the Jews. Uh, the lives of Joshua and Jeremiah and Daniel all give us insights about faith, courage, and righteousness of the Messiah. Joshua and Jesus even bear the same name, Yeshua, meaning the salvation of God. The life of Moses is a preview of many aspects of the life of Jesus. Moses tried to deliver his people from captivity and was rejected. And we know this happened in like manner in John chapter 1. Jesus came to deliver his people from their spiritual bondage, was rejected by them. And after his rejection, um, Moses took a Gentile bride. He then returned and was received by his people as a deliverer. Jesus is now taking a Gentile bride to church. And when he has completed that task, he will return and be received by as Messiah by his own people. And so we see this beautiful picture laid out in Scripture. And uh, we see of the lineage of Jesus spelled out in the Old Testament. Again, not just in the New Testament. I would challenge you this week to read Matthew's chapter uh, 1 and 2 and and look at the lineage. Now, I know that we get into the begats, right? And we go, oh, this is boring. But it's not um, when you begin to understand the implications of the begats and the lineage of Christ. So let's look at some of the lineage of Christ that's been prophesied. Uh, let's look at Genesis chapter 12. In Genesis chapter 12 and verse 3, God makes this promise with Abram, not yet Abraham, but Abram, and it's called the Abrahamic covenant. And in verse 3 of chapter 12, it says, I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. Why is that possible? Because out of the seed of Abram would come Jesus Christ. Let's look further. Genesis chapter 17 and verse 21. I so hope you find this encouraging um, because so many people have talked about Jesus coming on the scene. He was just this man and he was accidentally involved in this political thing and spiritual thing and he was crucified for it. No, thousands of years before Jesus was 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 brought to this planet, wrapped in human flesh, John 1, 14, it was prophesied who he would be. Look at Genesis 17, uh, 17 and verse 21. It says this, but I will establish my covenant with Isaac, who was the son of Abraham, whom Sarah shall bear to you at this time next year. So he's coming through um, the seed of Isaac. It continues. Now turn to Genesis 49. Genesis 49, verse 8. It says, 
Judah, your brother, shall praise you. Your hand shall be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's son shall bow down before you. Judah is a lion's cub from the, from the prey, my son, you have gone up. He stooped down. He crouched as a lion and as a lioness who dares rouse him. Verse 10. The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet. What in the world does it mean? Remember, Jesus is called the Lion of the tribe of Judah. How do we know that? We go to Revelation, the last book. So we're going from the first book of the Bible that talks about Jesus being of uh, the tribe of Judah. Then we go to the last book of the Bible in Revelation chapter 5, verses 4 and 5. says, John began to weep loudly because there was no one found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it, this beautiful scroll. And verse five, one of the elders said to me, weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. We see um, this fulfillment of Jesus being the lion of the tribe of Judah. I'll go back to the Old Testament. We'll go to the book of Isaiah. The book of Isaiah. Uh, just fabulous um, prophecies about um, Jesus and who he would be and what his, what his heritage would be and lineage would be. Uh, remember what we just read in Revelation chapter 4 about the, the root uh, of David. Look at... <clears throat> look at Isaiah 11.1, 1, speaking of the righteous branch, Jesus Christ, there shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. And who is Jesse? Jesse is the father of David. So we see Jesus coming forth out of this righteous root of Jesse and then David. The tie into David continues uh, when we look at 2 Samuel. Second Samuel chapter 7. All of this leading to um, the first coming of Jesus Christ and who he is. Not an accident, not a person who got caught up in a political drama and cost him his life. No, planned before the foundations of the world. Look at Second Samuel chapter 7 verses 16 and 17. The Lord making a covenant with David. David is nearing his death. And he says, and your house and your kingdom, verse 16 of chapter 7, shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. In accordance with these words and in accordance with all this vision, David spoke. Uh, Nathan spoke to David. So there is um, someone will sit on the throne of David forever. And who will that someone be? It will be Jesus Christ. Um, this plan thousands of years again before Jesus is even um, uh, has even come. Look at Jeremiah twenty three. Jeremiah twenty three in verse five. Jeremiah twenty three and verse five again talking about a righteous branch. Verse 5 says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he shall reign as king and deal wisely and shall execute justice and righteousness in the lands. Looking forward to Jesus Christ. Now, the prophecies get even more exact as we turn um, uh, we turn to the... Uh, 
to the book of Micah. In Micah chapter 5 and verse 2. Micah 5 and verse 2. If this is too quick, just write these scriptures down. Micah chapter 5 and verse 2 says this. But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrata, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from the old, from ancient uh, ancient days. We see Jesus being promised to be born in Bethlehem, Ephrata. There was two Bethlehems. That's why it's Ephrata here. It's signifying where exactly he will be born. Uh, while we're in the um, Minor Prophets, turn back a few pages uh, to Hosea. Hosea chapter 11 and verse 1. You remember in, and I told you to read Matthew chapter 1 and 2, uh, that that when Herod found out that, that a baby was born, who would be a ruler, who would be a king, he was so paranoid that he had babies killed two years old and under. All of them killed. But in a dream, God warned Joseph to take Jesus into Israel. Now, look at this scripture in Hosea chapter 11, verse 1. It says this, and this is a dual fulfillment scripture because it speaks of God's love for Israel, but also we're going to see in just a moment it speaks of Christ. Hosea 11, 1, when Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. What does that mean? Remember, we looked back uh, uh, we talked about the Passover and we talked about God removing his children from e Egyptian bondage. And Egypt is always looked at as bondage or sin. Now, turn to Matthew chapter 2. Thinking of Hosea, keep that in your mind. In Matthew chapter 2, verses 13 and 15, it says this. Now, when they had departed, this is Joseph, Mary, and Jesus. Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is ab about to search for the child to destroy him. And he arose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. Listen to this. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken to by my prophet out of Egypt. I called my son a fulfillment of Hosea chapter 11 and verse 1. Now, turn to the book of Isaiah. A couple more scriptures. It's so important that we understand that Jesus was not an, exact, uh, uh, an accident. That Jesus was not just a person who came, got caught up in some uh, issues um, in Israel at a time when there was political unrest and people tried to force him uh, to become something that he was not. No, he is exactly who he said he is and he is a fulfillment of everything um, that God promised through the prophets. Look at Isaiah. Isaiah, two, three more scriptures in, and we will close. Isaiah chapter 7. Verse 14, 700 years before Jesus was born, 
It says, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a son. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel. And 700 years later in Matthew, that's what the angel spoke to Mary and said, you shall bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. God came to us. And then Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7, and we'll bring this to a close talking about the advent, the, the, the coming of an important person, a notable person, thing, or event. And Jesus was both a person and his birth was an event. Um, Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. For unto us a child is born. There's a humanity of Christ. To us a son is given. There's a divinity of Christ. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David, we looked at that in Second Samuel, and over his kingdom, to establish and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Remember, David was promised the Davidic promise in 2 Samuel chapter 7 that there would be one who would sit on his throne. He would be a righteous king. And how long would his kingdom be? From this day forth forevermore. So we see it's important that we understand that Jesus was promised all the way back in the garden, all the way back in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, that there would come a seed from the woman who would put, uh, who would be um, the one who would bring salvation and all through scripture. And I've just mentioned a few of this hundreds of scriptures that talk about Jesus first coming. And there are even more scriptures prophesied in the Old Testament about Jesus' return, his second coming. Not only did he come once as the Savior, but he'll come um, again as the righteous judge of this world. So what do we do? We understand that we can trust scripture because the prophecies were 100% fulfilled in Jesus Christ's first coming, and they'll be 100% fulfilled in his second coming. Turn to 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 18. And we'll bring this to a conclusion. Conclusion. A conclusion is different than a conclusion, I think. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. God bless you until we talk again.